Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and today I'm joined by Catania Jones, the Director of Children, Youth, and Family Services here at El Paso County's Department of Human Services. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm well. How are you doing? Great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me over here. I really appreciate it. And before we get started, I wanted to quickly add that if listeners are interested in more stories about people doing good in and around El Paso County, or hearing from county leadership about local government priorities and how they operate, you can find additional episodes of this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, but to get started today, I wanted to have you introduce yourself a little bit and uh, give us some background about how you came to be uh, in the role that you're in. Sure. I, uh, first and foremost, uh, always knew that I wanted to be in social justice in some variation. Just didn't know early on what that would look like. Um, in the mid-90s, I did an internship at Zebulon Pike Youth Services Center mm-hmm. and was convinced at that time I would stay in the realm of juvenile justice, um, likely secure facilities. Um, and one day I had witnessed uh, a scenario with a young person and their grandmother and, you know, this young person um, was in the facility for a pretty serious crime. And um, I think to the unknowing person looked, you know, tall and maybe a little bit scary to some folks. And I had walked him over to the room to have a visit with his grandmother. And I just recall looking in there and this tall young person was just balled up in his grandmother's lap, um, just like a baby, just bawling. And I just thought, wow, there's a juxtaposition of, you know, the why someone was in there, but there, there has to be more to that why. So then it really spun this curiosity for me uh, around, you know, um, behavioral science, Mm -hmm. um, the why behind the action. So um, that interaction, of course, piqued my interest into human behavior and family dynamics specifically. So I worked at, fast forward to um, about 2001, I was led to a couple of child placement agencies, and I worked at two different child placement agencies for a total of 13 years, Mm -hmm. or in 13 years, worked for two different child placement agencies. Um, And they were both um, a couple of the first contracted agencies for, with El Paso County when El Paso County had contracted out permanency case work and foster home licensing and oversight. And then uh, thought that I needed a break, so popped over to the state. That was a little bit hilarious because guess what? At the state, what, what was I involved in? <laughs> Same kind of thing. <laughs> All the things uh, that we're working with now. Mm-hmm. Um, I did spend um, several years at the Division of Youth Services as a regional program manager um, and worked with um, county uh, child welfare um, in partnership with, you know, all things juvenile justice and initiatives. And um, I also worked um, at a d- domestic violence safe house um, and crisis line support for... A long time, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd say about nine years. 
Um, so all of those pieces just kind of led to, um, at some point, me just throwing my name in the hat to pop over to El Paso County. At the time, there was uh, an opening for practice administrator, and so I came over for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and fast forward, fast forward, <laughs> <laughs> some domino pieces happening, and here I am in this position. Wonderful. Um, I think I've been with the county now for, I think, four years. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, so you mentioned at the beginning that you were always drawn to social justice. Now, I don't have to tell you that this job can be difficult, right? And so what was your motivation for really going into this line of work? Why did social justice appeal to you so much? You know, how I describe it um, is I describe it visually what's in my head. And I, I had, if you can have aha moments as a kid, I had an aha moment as a kid. I don't know, maybe around 12-ish. And I just remember thinking about the um, the number line. You remember the number line where mm-hmm. it's zeros in the middle and then there's the negative yeah, numbers yeah, yeah. and then the positive numbers. And I just remember thinking of that zero as being like a starting point mm-hmm. and how some humans don't even get to start at zero on the number line to even get to positive. Right. Um, and what's that about? Um, I believe that we all should be able to start from zero, right? Um, to have the opportunity to get to positive. And so that might sound a little bit different, but that's the visual that comes to mind. That's the visual that I had as a kid. And only I looked at what I was learning in math class and it just popped in my head of just human beings and just, we want to be at least even in the middle. Yeah. Complex thoughts for a 12 year old. I think I was thinking about transformers <laughs> and uh, things like that at 12. So it's very impressive. I still like <laughs> toys and yeah, I was, I was a pretty um, deep thinker mm-hmm. as a kid. Well, I mean, I think it, t- it takes deep thinkers to make big change, right? I, having that kind of mindset certainly I think helped put you on a path to make change in people's lives. So thank goodness you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I still like T-Man and my Barbies well, yeah. and all the things. We, right? we could go on for probably about 20 <laughs> minutes about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe if you wanted to, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try and keep it on track here. Uh, so how do you stay grounded? I mean, again, this job is difficult. How do you stay grounded and maintain positive mental health when you're dealing with the things that you do on a daily basis. So I don't want to oversimplify this, and I can't emphasize enough how powerful to me this statement is, and it is choose happy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen at you. And I don't know if it's all the, you know, the brain science that's come out around that. And I was really into that really early on um, as it was really unfolding as um, as a science, really. Mm-hmm. And when I learned about neuropathways um, and how we really can shift um, how we filter information, how we interpret, interpret and... Um, respond and react to things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a moment of, you know, 
It is an absolute intentional choice to assume positive intent. It is absolutely intentional to choose happy and, and find something in that moment to be grateful for, even if you have to do it 25 plus times a day. Sure. After a while, it does start to shift um, what is happening in, in, inside of your own mind. Um, and, you know, I kind of, I practice what I preach too, right? So if I'm telling staff, take, take time, take a moment, what is your safety plan? Where is your, you know, where is your happy place in your mind? What do you have control over when we don't have control in our, in our environment or it doesn't feel like we have control? Finding the one thing that you may have control over and sometimes that just really is your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so taking a, a deep breath, um, staring at a rock, literally. <laughs> and here we live in Colorado. We have some gorgeous rocks. There's some nice looking at. rocks around here, that's for sure. And so <laughs> I really do mean that. Was Staring at a rock is, is um, calming. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's those simple things. They seem simple. Sometimes it may not seem simple in the moment when things really feel frenetic. And we absolutely can can take a moment and do some deep breaths and get a reality check and figure out what in this moment do I have control over. And that's what's helped keep me in the game. Yeah, I think there's, as an adult, as I've been an adult, as I've been in a lot of different jobs, I think it's really easy to say to yourself, there's not time. Like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. There's all these things that have to get done. And one thing that has been really great about coming over to work for El Paso County, and, you know, I'm sure plenty of other organizations are built it the same way, but they really do give you that opportunity to take a moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, plenty of people say, yeah, you know, plenty of people say it, not a lot of people do it, Mm -hmm. right? And just in my experience with the organization, they do it. They give you that time um, to decompress. Have you seen a similar, uh, similar thing? Yeah. And I would add to, you know, arguably with child protection, well, any protective services, Mm -hmm. um, you are on the clock to save someone's life. Um, And many times when caseworkers are on the clock or on the way, um, to intervene and when a family's at, you know, a really critical moment mm-hmm. um, that they're experiencing. Um, and you still have to drive. Yeah. Right. And so drive time, that may be, a, that may be the moment that you have to kind of just to ground yourself and, and get there um, in preparation before you walk onto the scene and meet law enforcement or, or walk into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are just these moments we just have to be so thoughtful about when can what do I have? I have control over the time that I walk to my car. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of calming and um, positive self-talk that we can do just walking to our car. So it doesn't have to be these grandiose gestures right. because we, some of our jobs, it is constantly go, 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 go. Um, and, you know, even when we're at the office or if we're um, talking with a coworker, the time that we spend um, commiserating um, 
we can choose to spend some of that time saying and dot, 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 finding that right. strength-based something or that something to be grateful for mm-hmm. um, just in that little window, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's really good advice. And I'm, I'm wondering too, what advice would you give your younger self or someone who's considering going into this field? I, again, we've mentioned a couple of times, difficult subject matter <laughs> you're dealing with on a pretty regular basis. What advice would you give to people who want to do it and want to take that on and want to serve in that way? Lean on your team um, and give yourself some grace. Um, so uphold all the responsibility as we should mm-hmm. considering the sensitivity that um, of everything that we do in child protection. So it's not minimize that responsibility um, or the ownership of that responsibility. That's what really holds us up with integrity and ensure that you lean on the people around you. Um, the, we get to make decisions as a team. We get to consult with folks. We get um, to have group supervision, right? And, and one-on-one supervision. And I do say get, because what that means is we, even though it feels a lot of times like isolating work or that you're out there by yourself, you're the one going to the home or you're the one making this in the moment decision, we're, we're never alone. There's always someone that's a phone call away or walking alongside of you. And there are so many more people around us. Um, I really have always honored the multidisciplinary team decision-making my entire career. And again, there was an aha. I shouldn't say my entire career because there was an aha moment of, wait a minute, this decision, this, this decision is not 100% on my shoulders. I don't have to make this decision by myself. Um, I may need to take the lead, um, I may need to be the, the distributor of information or whatever that looks like, the, mm-hmm. the center of the spoke. And there are so many other people around me, um, whether they're coworkers or whether just, again, honoring the multidisciplinary team, there are so many other players um, around a kid and a family or children and family um, outside of, you know, the caseworker. The, the caseworker is that core. Mm-hmm. Um, so that takes a lot of pressure off. Well, it took a lot of pressure off of me when I realized, oh, yeah, there are other people that can have input on this. And sure, I have, I have to have my input. And when I'm really stuck. Mm-hmm. So I'd say lean on your team. Give yourself some, some grace while honoring and upholding your responsibility. Oh, yeah, the other thing is be kind. Don't forget to be kind. There is, there, emotions are contagious. And there is a parallel process that happens when we're around individuals in crisis um, and individuals walk, walking alongside of them, getting them through their moment of crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to know that and take pause and allow ourselves to not take on or own those emotions um, while serving the people in which we serve. I think that's a big part. And, and why I say be kind is it's real. I have found throughout, I've 
been some form or another in this game for 23 years. Mm-hmm. And so I found that um, when we're not intentional around taking pause and remembering just to be kind to one another, <laughs> um, we can get kind of caught up in hamsters in the wheel kind of mentality. And yeah. I'm right here right now and I've got to do this and all the things that are on the shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's real easy to just forget simplicity of kindness um, and how much that, how far that goes, how far a smile goes mm-hmm. and what that does to another human being, right? right. Just to see the smile. Right. Again, another statement that seems maybe oversimplified and it's real. Right. Right. You see it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit here. Earlier this month, Child Abuse Prevention Month was recognized by the El Paso County Board of County Commissioners with a proclamation. Uh, Why is this such a big deal, and what exactly is Child Abuse Prevention Month all about? Well, um, well, first of all, we hope that technically every day, every week, and every month is child abuse (laughs) prevention, right? Sure, sure. Um, And April is specifically chosen to be a month of intentional focus on how we as a whole community can support child abuse prevention. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also a time to acknowledge and say thank you to the partners that support and play a critical part in keeping children safe. Mm -hmm. And who are some of those partners? They, they're system partners, um, you know, public health, um, division of youth corrections, of course, the bench, we can't do anything without the bench and, um, community partners, um, faith-based, community partners. We really lean on, um, church communities. Um, we collaborate with a large community of treatment providers also and contract with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they all play a critical part and are greatly appreciated. That's how we're able to, um, strive to meet a family's needs as a whole. Um, we do strive not to do things in such a fragmented way. And I say strive, and I know some people may be smiling or rolling their eyes a little bit um, <laughs> with these big systems and, you know, so many bifurcated or siloed um, barriers around that. And yeah. it is a, a constant um, effort to minimize the impact and the trauma of system engagement. Mm-hmm on families. Um, so hence why partnership makes a lot of sense, uh, as well as, um, you know, a lot of those partners, whether it be it a system partner or community agency, faith, um, organizations, mm-hmm. um, they create sustainability of access and resources for families. So, you know, public health has nurse family partnership and WIC and, you know, those are some great programs that, um, you know, any of us in the community um, could inquire about and, mm. and um, many could access, right? Yeah. So it'd be no different for families that hit our door. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of that proclamation presentation actually involved a number of people going outside and uh, placing pinwheels outside of that administration building. What's the significance of the pinwheels? What does that represent? So um, the pinwheels specifically um, are the national symbol of Child Abuse Prevention Month. Mm-hmm. Um, they symbolize bright and happy childhoods. You know, they're whimsical. It's a mm-hmm. pinwheel, yeah. right? 
Um, and so we're able to visually pay homage um, and draw attention um, to child abuse prevention with those pinwheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, the color for April, Child Abuse Prevention Month, is blue. Okay. So um, you may see a lot of blue um, <laughs> throughout child welfare agencies or DHS um, agencies throughout the state, throughout mm-hmm. the nation. Very good. And so we've talked about El Paso County itself as an entity a little bit. Um, what does El Paso County do in this specific field that, that you work in that you are proud of? I am really proud of our innovative and engaging ways that we support strong and together families while keeping child safety as priority number one. Um, if there's a gap that we've identified, a, a gap broadly in our community that safe and together families need, um, we're not afraid to figure out how to fill that gap. Um, and so there's no, oh, this is because we've always done it this way. Right. It's right. about meeting families today, where they are today. Um, And we do that through a number of ways. And I'm going to highlight our participation in problem-solving courts. So we have family treatment drug court. um, We have uh, well baby court. Um, We are starting to scratch the surface and look at what uh, juvenile wellness court looks like or could look like in our county. Um, and we have really been working to move the needle on fatherhood engagement and really recognizing and honoring and, and, and holding a value what we know to be true and in our field had an opportunity to move the needle of um, dads matter too. <laughs> well, it's so good to hear as a dad myself. <laughs> um, and so how can we engage fathers, whether or not they're in the picture, mm-hmm. um, in the moment that we um, have made contact with a family, how do we engage them in a more meaningful way? And it, that includes engaging the father's family mm-hmm. um, in a more meaningful way arguably, historically, in this field, not, not, not necessarily an El Paso County thing, but just in our field mm-hmm. of child protection, there's, um, you know, we, err, we have historically erred on the, on the, in the direction of leaning on the mother's side of the family, um, uh, identifying the mother to communicate back and forth the needs and... Um, and we needed to do better, right? And again, not necessarily El- we as El Paso County, right. we as a nation, and in El Paso County, we've taken that and really ran with it. Um, we've been recognized, um, even recognized uh, via the Pentagon for wow. our Center on Fathering uh-huh. uh, work. That we, you know, Center on Fathering has been around for a couple decades mm-hmm. at least. Um, more than a couple decades. Yeah. Um, and so we've, you know, that was something 
that we had good going in El Paso County. And so we were able to continue to highlight that and build upon that as we are working on fatherhood engagement. And you, you kind of naturally brought up an, an interesting talking point in my head, and that is recognizing that you may be falling a little bit short in, in a specific spot. Again, not, not speaking you know, directly to the organization, but being able to identify places where improvement is possible and then being empowered to find those solutions and implement those solutions. Can you talk about, can you talk about how that's done here? Absolutely. So um, with, I'll use an example of our partnership with Tessa. Oh, great. Yeah. So we were noticing the, uh, the component of family violence. I think we've always noticed it, but mm-hmm. we're really paying, really meaningful, meaningfully paying attention to the data and the trends. And so as child protection, how can we um, rally around families and get them safe and together? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were able to um, formally contract with Tessa to hire a Tessa staff that is staff facing so that staff person could go would and does go out with their caseworkers when there's identified um, family violence um, as well as helping us case consult around some nuances that exist in family violence um, that may not be so obvious to the, the caseworker. The caseworker is I and they're trained for child protection specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the same for our, what we call our zero to three program, which is literally children, babies, ages zero to three, which is arguably our most vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. Um, so we partner with Peak Vista with, um, for two nurse practitioners that also go out alongside caseworkers um, when there's you know a zero to three mm-hmm. infant child in the home and they're able to do the medical exam and put their eyes um, on the child as our caseworker is walking alongside doing the child protection piece. Right. Um, we also have, and for a while we've contracted with um, TRE, which is uh, the resource exchange. Okay. And we have that staff person that also is co-located with us. Um, and they're there to help us move, th- um, move through all the necessary components when we have an identified child or youth with intellectual or developmental delays, um, as well as if there's a parent. So we've also... Um, created some specialty teams that are focused on um, IDD, which is great because that's a a population um, that falls through the cracks and historically in in any system. Mm -hmm. Um, So the other piece that we have really looked at where there was an opportunity was um, kinship. So over the last few years, we have really focused on when we need to 
go out and assess for a family, for a child's safety, assess a family for a child's safety. Mm-hmm. We um, ask right away, what are, where, what are kin supports? Who are um, family? Who are kin-like supports? Um, so that way, if it necessitates that we need support to come in um, or the child to be with supports um, and not in their home of origin, that it's family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in, it, an individual or individuals that the parents have identified. So that's something that's pre- I'm pretty proud of. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, so we've been able to cover quite a bit of ground. <laughs> in the conversation so far. So before we close, I just wanted to know if there's anything else that you want to add that you think listeners should know about, or maybe uh, just reiterate something that you uh, feel strongly about. I feel strongly that we can, we need to continue to engage families in a way that meets families' needs. So we are being inclusive, um, we are engaging in a trustworthy man- manner to uphold safety, permanency, and well-being for children um, and youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also feel strongly that any vision that we could have or that I could have um, must honor tending to the people that we're that are doing the work, um, every layer of the work. Um, so I honor every day that I come into work in any way that I can, um, to take care of the people that take care of the people. Um, it's hard work, right? Um, and it's critical to take care of the people that take care of the people. Great. Uh, well, thank you, Katanya. I appreciate you taking the time today and for all the work that you do here at El Paso County. So thank you for having me. Thank you. If you're interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, uh, be sure to look for us on Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.